Last week I stood up here and I told you that last week was the last in our series on relationships. And this morning I stand up here just to tell you I lied. <laughs> in spending my week um, just knowing that we would be sharing this special time with Blake, I thought more about it and Frankly, my heart was stirred, and, and I know some of the things that we're doing in terms of our staff, in terms of our church uh, leadership, and heading into this year with children's ministries, and I, I just really felt like I, I need to spend a week on this. And so uh, I, I'm going to extend this relationship series just this last week, I promise. Next week, we're actually going to talk about finances. It's going to be three great weeks together. You're going to absolutely enjoy that. But we live in a culture that that has, has, has become so electric. It's, 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 it's almost become vile if you're thinking in terms of politics and, and so much of the conversation that goes out there. And I talked about that a little bit last week. And recognizing that we're in that culture, it reminds me of the prophet Nehemiah. And the prophet Nehemiah was, was coming out of a, 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 a terrible culture. And he recognized that, that, that God's chosen people, that, that the city, Jerusalem, that, that the walls were broken down, that the city was unprotected, that they were open to almost everything that was going on in their culture, and everything was. And Nehemiah recognized that. And Nehemiah recognized God's call on his life to go back to Jerusalem, which was a long distance from where he was at the time and begin to fix the problem. Somebody's got to do it. So somebody's got to step into this arena, Nehemiah thought. And so I look at this passage of Scripture that, 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 that Nehemiah talks about here. I, I'm just reminded, at Camelback, we're a family. This is, this is not my idea. It's not our church's idea. This is God's idea. When we accept Christ as our Savior... We become a part of his family. That's the analogy that God uses for his church, for all of us. When, when we become followers of Christ, we join a family. And that's the analogy that he used over and over again. And as we look at our children, my kids are your kids, and, and my grandkids are your grandkids, because we're a family. We're not a village. The only thing the village ever raised was the village idiot. We're, the, the Bible says we are a family. And Nehemiah recognized the destruction of his culture. And he, and he says, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, I, I talked to the ones who were in charge and the officials and the rest of the people, and I said, don't be afraid of them. Who was he talking about? Them. You see, Nehemiah, he, he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, but they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem while they were working on it in terms of construction. They also had to defend themselves with their weapons while they were rebuilding the walls. 
because the enemy outside the city just wanted to tear down the, wanted to break down the walls, wanted nothing but destruction. And Nehemiah recognized we not only have to build the walls, but we have to fight for our own preservation. And I, I want to talk about that this morning because that's us. Now, we're not going to be using swords or weapons. There's a whole other arena that, that I want to talk about this morning. And I just want to challenge our whole church family with this. Because Blake is my granddaughter. But she's your granddaughter. And your kids are my kids. And we are a family. And as I look at the culture around us, I look at the community that we're in. Our target, the target for us, our, our team has recognized the target for us is young families with kids. And what do we have? We have the most important message on the planet. And what is that? That is that Jesus Christ came in the form of a baby, lived, laid his life, willingly laid his life down. They nailed him to a cross. They put him in a tomb, and on the third day, he shocked every one of them, and he rose from the dead. And there was real clarity who he was. And there was real clarity that he came to a broken world to be the answer to their problem. So that once again, we could be connected with our God, so that we could have relationship with our God. I looked things over. I stood up. I said to the nobles and the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is Great and awesome. Nehemiah says, look, we're standing on solid ground here because our God is great and he is awesome. And fight for your families. It's my challenge to our church is that we would be willing to fight for our families in a culture that is just throwing nothing but hate all over the place. The political world now is rising to another level. We're even taking this virus that we're beginning to battle with, and that's, they're making that political. And while all of this is going on, he's calling us to something else. Fight for your families, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, for your homes. Today in America, this Gen Z, millennials, we're looking now at Gen Z, born between 1995 and I think 2015 roughly is the window from five years old to 25 years old. That group, 74 million Americans right now are in that group. One in four people on the earth are in that group. They, they, don't under, they don't understand life before social media. As a matter of fact, statistically, they're spending four hours a day in front of a screen, whether it's a TV, an iPad, or an iPhone, or that other Android thing. More than four hours a day. And yet, we're already seeing that they are more disconnected than ever before struggling in the areas of isolation and depression, already showing up. That's why 
we have to fight for our families. Even in the generation raised in church, 60% of them will walk away from their faith. I want to talk about us here at Camelback in the middle of this message and through it and because we've recognized how important children's ministries is to us. It has always been important. We have always had age-appropriate ministry. While we sit in here in the 200 building, there's a whole age group in there. The 400 building, there's a whole other age group over there. And age-appropriate ministry has always been critical in the life of our church. But our team has recognized that that as we go through this year, as we actually head into this summer, we are going to raise the level even higher. We're going to become more effective in connecting with families in our communities that have children. And as, as we head into the summer, I'll begin to share more about that. It is, it is absolutely exciting. One of the things that I noticed that as I read Scripture, we don't see much in Scripture about Jesus during this age group. When he was in this age group, the only thing we know about him was that his parents lost him when he was 12 years old. And several days later, some of you parents, you remember when you lost your kid in the department store, this is going to make you feel really good. Several days later, they recognized that he wasn't with them. And they went back to find him, and they found him, and they found him in the temple, and he was asking questions, and he was answering questions. And that's the only thing we know about this window of time. It would be nice if we knew more. But the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired Scripture. Man held the pen, but the Holy Spirit intentionally didn't tell us more. But it does give us, in Luke chapter 2. He gives us another little bit of a window about Jesus. And look what Luke writes. Luke's the doctor. Luke says this. He says, Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. And he grew in favor with God and with men. If you want a formula for growth, there's your formula for growth. If you want a growth strategy for your life, it doesn't matter what age bracket you're in, that's your formula for growth. And if you're taking notes this morning, I, I want you to fill a couple of things in as we look at, first of all, these four. He grew in wisdom, which means he grew intellectually. See, we shouldn't be finishing high school or finishing college and, and, then, and then we're done. We need to be lifelong learners. If we are lifelong learners, we are in this process of intellectually constantly moving forward. What we think is important. In other words, when somebody throws a political idea out there, you don't just say, well, well that sounds good, and you grab. You need to figure out what that person was talking about. Is that, is that person on solid ground, or are they a nut? What do we think intellectually? We need to actually guard our mind, being careful what we put into our mind. I grew up in church. We were in church every single Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night prayer meeting. That's how I grew up. Church was a part of this process for me. It, 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 was, it was the process that shaped me. All five of us, my, my brothers and sisters and I, that's what we grew up in. Sunday morning, there wasn't a question of, uh, are we going to go to church or not? 
What are you kidding me? If it was Sunday morning, we were in church. All five of us still do this. And, and our culture is shifting now in evangelical churches. 1.9 times a month is how often that we, the average for church attendance. Guard our heart. The second thing is he grew in stature. He not only grew physically, which he did, he grew his body. Jesus was a healthy guy. He was a construction worker. He worked up until he was 30 in his, in his dad's carpenter shop. He was in good shape. But he also means that his stature was his character. See, he was also in church every single weekend. His very character, the disciplines that he grew up with in life, it shaped his stature. And he grew in favor with God, which means he grew spiritually. He was constantly in conversation with his heavenly father. Talking to his heavenly father. Always growing spiritually. Discovering his purpose. You will grow the most spiritually by simply getting to know Jesus and getting to discover his purpose for your life. Those two things will move you along spiritually faster than anything and more effectively than anything. It is the most vibrant part of a Christian life. And he grew in favor with man. He grew socially. You and I were designed by God. See, we, we believe that here. We were designed and created by God who created the universe that we live in, created everything so that this relationship, us with him and us with each other, could all happen. It is his design, his plan, his purpose. And not only did he create it all, he was intentional about preserving his word that we have for thousands of years so, so that we could go to it for any of the answers that we want. And not only did he preserve his word, he is the sustainer of this universe that we live in. That's who he is. That's who our Savior is. We were created for relationships. So choose your friends wisely. Here at Camelback, as we head into this year, I, I just wanted to talk about this. We, we're just going to be more, even more intentional about our children. Getting, getting ready for just spending these moments with Blake has just really stirred my heart. Not just for Blake. We had a, a Danny's baby shower. Not Danny's, but his wife's baby shower. But now it's everybody's baby shower, so the guys are all there which I'm still adjusting to. It's okay. And, and I was there yesterday, and we had just little kids running all over the place. Uh, it, our, our children's department is one of the healthiest things around. And it was just so nice to be there and watch all these kids just playing together, watching young couples and, and their kids. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I just have never, our team will tell you, I've never been worried about the millennials coming up behind us. I'm looking for them to stand on our shoulders and accomplish things that we have never been able to accomplish. And now, 
the generations coming up behind them. I'm not, we're in, we're in good shape. Do you know why? Because Nehemiah pointed to our God who is awesome. That's the phrase he used. He is awesome. And that's the reason. As I look at the world around us, I, I know what we as a family are going to do in here. And as moms and dads, what we're committed to doing with our children. I don't have a worry at all about Jordan and Julia and how they're going to raise Blake. Not a, not a worry at all. I think it's exciting. I think it is great. I am looking forward to it. I handed Blake back to Karen yesterday because I thought she had a dirty diaper. She played a trick on me. It was just gas. But it, as grandparents, it's, we're just flat out enjoying it. But we, we want our kids to come here, and we want our kids to make friends with other kids. And we want our kids to come here and not just make friends with other kids, but we want our kids to continue to learn who Jesus is, why he came, and what he wants to do in their life and in their heart. And for all of us, for every one of us, no matter what age we are, we all have next steps. Let me, I'm on this platform, but I'm not there. Everybody around you could tell you that I am not there, that I mess up, that, 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 that I, I, I'm just not perfect. All of us, we all have next steps in this very process. But our little kids have next steps too. And we want to make sure in every way, as we look at Generation Z, that's already coming. You see, in my generation, we wanted more information. Millennials even wanted more inf information. The more information, the better. But what we're finding out about Gen Z is they, they want interaction. And we're going to do everything that we can to give them the right kind of interaction. And we're going to wrap our lives around them. And we're going to use the most powerful tool that we have. The most powerful tools that you and I have are our words. And I just want to spend a few minutes and slip into that with you this morning. And I, I, I want us to take notes. And if you're taking notes, grab your pen. And if you're not taking notes, grab your pen. Because you are, what we want to do is we want to learn to bless our kids. We, we want to learn to encourage our kids, to speak encouragement into their lives. That's how we are going to fight. Nehemiah had to use a sword and, he, and they had to use weapons. We are going to use words. And what we're going to do is we're going to remove harmful words from our vocabulary with our kids. And we're going to take words that are careless out of our vocabulary with our kids. Because we together, here's what we are, we are a family. And your kids are my kids, and my kids are your kids, and my grandkids are your grandkids, and your grandkids are my grandkids. And we are not a village. We are a family. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus. They wanted him to place their hands on them. 
But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus has to preach. Please, send your, put, put them in front of the television set. Do something else with them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to ones such as these. In other words, let's start at Blake's age. Let's start at the very beginning and let's, let's give a very clear picture of who God is to Blake. And when you open up your Bible, your Bible says that God is love. That's what it says. When it talks about the nature of God, when it talks about who God is, the Scripture says God is love. He doesn't say he's someone who's really good at it. It says that's who he is. And so many of us grew up with a different idea about God Maybe the church we came to, maybe we were hurt by church. Well, well, and we, and, but our concept of God was not that. It was something other than that. So let's start with clarity here. That's who he is. And he goes on to say he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. In other words, he spoke well of them. That's what we need to do. He spoke well of them. Our words are powerful, church. Words are extremely powerful. Now, I recognize he's God, but he chose to create everything with words. He looked straight into formless and void and said, let there be light. And there was light. He did it with words. And we may not be God, but our words are powerful. I want you to write down six words that we're going to do with our kids. We're going to be intentional about this. In our families and in our family, we're going to be intentional. The first word is praise. We just need to be willing to praise our kid. Highlight their qualities. It, it was so nice that you and, and, and compliment them. We, we don't need to tell them what they're not. They already know what they're not. Let, let's praise them and let's build into them. I, I, I know that you poked Freddie in the face, but, but here's why you shouldn't do that, okay? And, and explain not just the what, but the why. And be willing to praise our kids. Proverbs 25, 11, like apples of gold in settings of silver, is a ruling rightly given. In other words, when we instruct our kids in love, it, is, it, it will make them shine. They will recognize it. It will change something in them. It's a big deal. Praise. The second thing is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let's teach our kids to be thankful. Let's teach our kids to say thank you. Thank you. When someone gives them something, let's train them so their natural response, you can, some of your parents can't even imagine this, their natural response is to turn and say thank you. Our children are a gift from God. Are we thankful for our children? Let's train our kids to be thankful. 
Psalm 127 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Sometimes they don't feel like it. I, I get that. Sometimes you want to give the gift back. I understand. Like, you know, with, with our kids growing, and they're, your kids are different. Our kids are so different. Julia, I, I can brag all I want on Julia because Julia graduated college summa cum laude. So that means, that means she probably didn't even get a B, which doesn't mean a hill of beans because I never got a B either. I majored in C's. I think I, I, I can remember one time trying to convince my parents that a D was better than an F. And my dad was looking at me like, why, 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 why are we even talking about this? And our kids are different. They just are. And we can't place expectations on one that we would place on another if, if that isn't even in the arena. Thanksgiving. Children are a gift from God. The third one is affection. Affection. Are you comfortable enough to come up to your child and say, I love you? I love you? Are you comfortable coming to your spouse and saying, I love you? See, if, if you can't do that, you need to find out why. You just need to find that out. And you need to get to the place where you can do that. Because if you don't do that, then I love you will never happen in the next generation. Your, your children will not use that. Because our children learn from us. Whether it's how we act or what we say, our children are learning from us. I love you. We need to be generous with affection in a world that is just messing that whole arena up. We need to be willing. In the words of the best father who ever lived, our heavenly father, in his words to his son, which show up twice, once when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist and another in the transfiguration. And the, 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 two, the two pieces of conversation from God the Father to his son are almost identical. And, and look what he says in Matthew chapter 3. He, we, we just read these words. At that moment, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. This is, this is on Jesus. And it goes on to say, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, whom I am well pleased with. That's my son. I love him. I am so pleased with him. The greatest father who ever lived, in my opinion, to the greatest son who ever lived. And church, listen, my kids, my kids need to hear those same things from my mouth. You're mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're mine. 
I love you and I'm proud of you. They need to hear it. Affection. Words of encouragement is number four. You have two options. You're either going to encourage your kids or you're going to discourage them. Choice is yours. We need to encourage our kids. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking to the church in Philippi, put it this way. He said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. If it's not good, don't say it. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. In other words, our kids need to hear us encouraging them. That's what they need to hear. That it may benefit those who listen. We want our kids to benefit from our encouragement. The fifth word is kindness. In a culture that so often is not kind, let's be kind. You know, you can have your opinion. Just be nice about it. I, I know that you can't turn the news on and expect that. But we can do that in our own families and in our own lives. It's interesting when we look at the, the fruits of the Spirit, it's peace, love, joy, patience, long-suffering. You don't see long-suffering on CNN. You don't see it on, on, on the news. Look at Proverbs 51, 15, one rather. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's encourage our kids. Let's, let's show kindness. Let's, let's let kindness be an example in our family and in our family. Sixth word is prayer. One of the best things and some of the best words you and I can speak over our kids is our prayer. Maybe as we head into this week, some of us, we still spend time at the dinner table. I know for us, it's, it's probably two, maybe three times a week. We, we, it would be nice if all of us sat down at the dinner table together, but in our culture and at the speed that we're going and, and our interests being so different, we, we all just don't, don't do that perfect anymore. But as much as we do it, and when we do it, and, and when we have our time of prayer, let's be intentional about praying for our kids. Jesus was only a few days old when Mary and Joseph took him to the temple and they dedicated him to God. And in Luke chapter 2, Simeon said this. It says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined. And then he went on to explain what this child, meaning Jesus, was destined to do. Every one of our children has a God-given destiny. Commitment from Jordan and Julia to do everything within their power to help Blake, through her, her childhood growing up, come to the place where she recognizes who Jesus is and that he has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for her life. And as parents, Jordan and Julia, being faithful stewards of the gift that God has given to them and placed her 
in their family and them together in our family in this very process of God's design with a destiny. And here at Camelback, in every way, refining that process in children's ministry so that we together can make sure as a family we are raising our kids up to reach the destiny that God has for them. Stan, let me pray with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this service. Thank you for your gifts to us as parents. And may we ever be great stewards of them. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.